Hi, and welcome to Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. Today's episode will be us revisiting Ares uh, to talk about who this god is, what his origin stories are, and some major and minor events he was involved in. This will be a little different from the last time I talked about him, since again, I won't be diving too much into his parentage and like, or rather his family tree. Um, I'll focus more on just the god himself and what he is all like. So who is Ares? Compared to Apollo, Ares is pretty straightforward, actually. His domain is war. He's often depicted, metaphorically or literally in some cases, charging on the battlefield and personifying the rage and bloodlust on the field. It's funny, though, because the Greeks don't really seem to think much of him. He's very consistently defeated in battle by gods and empowered mortals and seems to be more a figurehead than an actual big war deity, super sick, macho man like the video game series God of War might make you think. The Romans, on the other hand, who call him Mars, view him to be extremely important and notable and worshipped him dearly. I think this contrast also somewhat reflects the two natures of the civilizations, the Greeks and the Romans. I think the manifestation within their deities is very interesting to see. The associated symbols with him uh, are mainly two animals, the boar and the dog, though decently often the vulture and sometimes even the serpent is held in close connection. All rather ferocious animals, if that wasn't too clear. Uh, I guess some dogs these days that are just extremely nice. So the dogs usually are more along the lines of hunting dogs usually being pretty brutal and probably by some extension wolves in general, though wolves have their connection really to Apollo and stuff. So maybe not. His origins also as a god are pretty straightforward, all things considered. He's pretty Greek in origin, but there is some, I, as in like linguistically, his name seems pretty Greek. It feels like they're pretty confident uh, based on like linear B tablets that it was his name being written. But there is some idea that he may be from Thrace, which makes a lot of sense given uh, the Greek idea of how Greeks viewed foreigners. So very consistently, Greeks viewed foreigners as like barbaric. The whole idea of like someone being um, barbaric is like the Greeks were saying, oh, it sounds like they're saying bar bar, hence barbaric. Uh, so they viewed the race as a very, very, very barbaric land, and all the stories from the region that one ends up hearing in Greek myth are always quite violent in one way or another, uh, just is the way of the land and how the Greeks choose to depict them. There's an interesting version of our uh, worship of Ares that I would like to mention, so there's these people named the Scythians, so like Thrace, they also live on the Black Sea, uh, or like somewhere arbitrarily on the Black Sea, and they apparently worshipped and sacrificed to Ares, or at least the equivalent representation of him. Because a big thing here about foreigners worshipping Ares, in air quotes here, is that it's a lot of like, oh, this is their equivalent of Ares. And then sometimes they mash those together and just claim they worshipped Ares. So they worshipped and sacrificed two Ares in the form of a sword, uh, which I think is kind of wacky that there's just a sword in their city plaza and they're just sacrificing and worshipping it. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty wacky stuff about Ares. But I think it captures kind of the idea of 
you know, the associations with Ares and what kind of builds the background to who the god is and what he looks like. Uh, but let's move on to his origin stories now. So this is more of, you know, what's his what's his most base background as a figure in the uh, mythological cast that we should know. So unlike the other deities we've talked about so far, Ares doesn't really have like a birth story. There is a version where it's he's specifically described as being born in the Odrysian snow uh, in Thrace, but generally he was just the son of Zeus and Hera and had a sibling, Zelithuia, the goddess of childbirth, and Hebe, the goddess of youth. Hephaestus could be counted, but you know there's a lot of versions where Hephaestus is not actually uh, a son of Zeus and Hera, but rather just a uh, son of Hera alone. So it's only other thing that might provide some background on him before we talk about some fun major and minor stories is his relationship with Aphrodite. So Ares and Aphrodite, we've already talked about their story and the whole Hephaestus thing, but they end up having three children, Harmonia, the only mortal and daughter, and then Deimos and Phobos. Deimos and Phobos are uh, two immortal representations. So you might know these latter two sons as the moons of Mars. And Deimos represents dread and terror, while Phobos represented fear and panic. So once again, we are seeing these sort of subspecialties form and take place here as they represent key emotions that fill the air in battle. And very consistently in definitely Homeric uh, depictions, they notably accompany Ares in battle and are said to be like trying his chariot, which makes sense since all these emotions accompany warfare, right? So we're seeing this kind of manifestation again of, you know, if a god has an immortal child, how they take on some sub-aspect of them. So, I think with that, we have a pretty good idea of Ares and kind of, you know, who he is and what his kind of family background is and what we can do with that. So our final bit would be to kind of talk about some stories about him. Unfortunately, after the first one, um, he really is just kind of taking a bunch of L's uh, just to kind of show you how poorly he fills his niche as a deity. And I think this will kind of come together to properly show how Ares is written. So the first story uh, we're going to talk about is kind of the creation of the Areopagus or the Areopagus. The story begins with uh, this guy named Halerhotheus, a son of Poseidon, and Alcippe, a daughter of Ares. Halerhotheus performed the horrible crime of raping Alcippe, and as a result, Ares killed him. This is pretty much like the only thing that seemingly is something Ares was able to do in these stories. So he kills Halerhotheus and is then charged for murder by Poseidon and tried by a tribunal of the other deities. This was the first ever trial for murder, and was done on a hill in Athens. Ares was acquitted, but that hill in Athens came to be known as the Areopagus, which means the Hill of Ares, and acted as the location for a court that tried murders. So the story is pretty cool because it gives it serves as a sort of, like, explanation for the origin of the Areopagus like why does it have that name and why is its function specifically about uh, or why is one of its major functions holding murder trials 
the question does become of when did this story materialize? Is this a post Aria Pockets forming and trying to, you know, ensure it has that power or something like that? Because that's always a possibility. The next uh, story I talk about is a more minor one. It's a smaller story about the legendary giant twins Otis and Ephialtes. So this story is told when Dione, Aphrodite's mother in the Homeric world, if you remember, is comfor- is comforting Aphrodite for being wounded by Diomedes in the Iliad. So Ares gets kidnapped and by Otis and Ephialtes and gets shut in this bronze jar for like 13 months. Uh, he just was not able to get out until their stepmother Araboya snitched on uh, Otis and Ephialtes and Hermes saved him. This is a time where you really wonder how strong is Ares really? Like these are not your tier one giants that, you know, fought in the Gigantamaki. These are some random giants that are just the sons of Poseidon and this uh, woman named Iphimedea and who literally they end their lives by actually killing each other while trying to chase uh, a different goddess. So it really makes you wonder how Ares was just trapped by these two bozos. The next kind of big story, and this is kind of two stories in one because it that's just how it would work out, is from the Iliad as well, actually. So we're going to talk about both a mortal and an immortal here and how they beat Ares. So in book five as well, where Diomedes had wounded Aphrodite, Diomedes was actually empowered by Athena and then later managed to wound Ares. Athena, also the goddess of wisdom, who we've not yet covered, manages uh, to beat down Ares later in book 21. Like she just smashes him with like a big rock. And the point of these stories mostly here is to kind of highlight that this great god of war on the battlefield really could not hold his own. It just really makes you wonder, you know, how is he the god of war? But I think it also kind of reflects well the thoughts of the Greeks. So despite waging a lot of war, they seemingly view it to be not that great of a thing and see the concept of wisdom beating down the pure bronze of war is kind of that uh, metaphorical fight you see there. It is kind of just wacky though, because why is your god of war so weak? Shouldn't this be one of your more powerful fighting deities? But even in immortal empowered by immortal to like is able to wound the god and like send them off the battlefield it'd be different if it were just like a wound but still gets you know clapped or something but it's literally just a mortal wounding the god of war and Ares could not do anything but leave and i think that's really strange but also i mean kind of funny the final story is just another kind of example of this to further show how not powerful Ares is and it centers around his own son Kiknus. So his son Kiknus was kind of a like wacko terrorist who would attack travelers on their way to Apollo's shrine at Pagasai, take their goods, and slowly build a temple out of heads. This last bit's actually a weirdly common practice for these sorts of folks who challenge random passersby to like, you know, beat them up and take their stuff. And yeah, they always just build temples out of heads. So he's building a temple to Ares. So Heracles was taking this path by chance, perhaps, and sickness challenged him, or maybe, you know, Apollo incited Heracles to fight him since sickness is taking all of his uh, 
gifts and goods that people are bringing to his shrine. So Heracles, uh, you know, being Heracles, claps sickness. That was just never going to be a question. And then Ares pulls up to avenge, avenge his child once more, and he instead just also gets wounded. Despite being a god, Heracles is not being empowered by any third party here. There's no indication that uh, Apollo is actively like powering him up. Maybe there's something to say that Apollo is fighting alongside him, but then it's a 2v1, really. And Ares ends up having to go to Olympus. Uh, to get healed once more it's just so strange to me because you know okay so sometimes another version just to be clear they did fight till zeus threw a thunderbolt but like if you can't beat a mortal in a fight as the god of war what's what's the point of being the god of war uh, hopefully it's just rather clear you know how the story also shows the incompetence of Ares and just how not powerful he is that while being a representation of war he's really not that great of a fighter so overall, I think the thing to understand about Ares is he's rather vengeful and cares for his family, but it is just so odd that he encompasses this role of you know the god of war and does such a poor job of fighting, but is very consistently depicted going into battle and stuff like this. And this is not the same sort of, he does not hold the same sort of gravitas that Mars does in Rome and I think that reflects really on the culture and the perception of war and the idea of fighting. Uh, you know, why is Odysseus uh, a super crafty individual in mythology touted so highly in Greek myth is because of his ingenuity and creativity, not really because of his fighting prowess. So that is always a notable thing is like, oh, yeah, he's also a really strong fighter. So, yeah, I think these stories, while a lot of them really center around Ares' inability to win fights seemingly really gives a good idea of his depiction in Greek myth is that while he is this god of war and he is very consistently, you know, depicted as charging into battle alongside uh, Deimos and Phobos, he is not really the fighting deity that one might think him to be unlike some other deities around him like Athena who we'll soon get to talk about so yeah uh this is kind of the thing that I wanted y'all to take away about Ares and the sort of thing that I find kind of funny and the weird wacky duality that exists to a war god uh, so that's pretty much everything uh, for this episode uh you know the stories were kind of a little more one-dimensional than usual but I think there's not too much to Aries as is besides really wider stories that really do not contribute to explaining him. So didn't think it was too much worth focusing on. Either way, uh, next episode, we'll focus on Artemis, talking about who she is, what her origins are, and some stories she was involved in so we can understand the Greek goddess of hunting. I think Artemis is a very interesting goddess for a fair amount of reasons. As always, uh, please let me know if you have any comments, questions, or concerns at ragm1928 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm always more than willing to answer if you have any questions, and apologies if you're hearing a random cat. Uh, yeah, that's just the situation of things. So thanks so much for listening, and take care.